This is the reality. Hello again. Welcome to the reality. It's a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of real life that is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm Dudley Anderson. Really my pleasure to be with you once again. The reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. I'd like to remind you that you can drop me an email by writing to dudley at surereality.net. Once a year, Open Doors International publishes their World Watch list of the 50 countries around the world where Christianity is persecuted the worst. Iraq is found at number 15 on the list. Iraq is a country where Christians are attacked for their faith, primarily by Islamic extremists. Although the self-acclaimed Islamic State, or IS, have lost territory in Iraq, their ideology still remains. Many of the militants have simply blended back into the general populace, and the Shia militants who helped drive ISIS out are also persecuting the Christian believers. In a country of 40 million people, little more than a half a percent are Christians. Today on The Reality, we speak with Father Daniel Joseph, a priest with the ancient Church of the East in Iraq. Father Daniel shares with us how difficult it is to be a Christian believer in Iraq and the grave effect that it has on the Christian community. Around 120,000 Christians, they flee from their hometown, from Nineveh Plain, after ISIS attacked most of the cities and towns in the Nineveh Plain. And that continued until 2016. Then Christians slowly started to return back, but they were totally shocked and traumatized mm. after they have seen that their houses, churches, schools, hospitals were totally destroyed by ISIS. Many Christians left Iraq. You could say that the church and the Christianity is at risk of disappearing from this country. Sadly, the plight of minorities, including Christians in Iraq, has been compounded by the COVID-19 pandemic. Father Daniel now shares with us how difficult it is to be a Christian believer in Iraq. Well, on Skype today, talking to Father Daniel Joseph, and he's speaking to me from Iraq, his home. We're going to be talking about uh, what it's like to be a Christian in Iraq, and especially today with the uh, the COVID uh, pandemic as it sweeps the world. But, uh, Father, thank you for joining us. Let me begin, as I always do, and ask you, how did you come to be a Christian, particularly in a predominantly Islamic country? Uh, well, thank you so much uh, uh, for giving me a chance to be with you and to talk about the persecution, the real persecution uh, that is happening to the uh, Iraqi Christians. Um, it's really, really hard to become a Christian in such a country and in, in this place. And um, you can also um, find some uh, recent statistics, which is released by Open Doors uh, World Watch List. It's showing that the current population of the Iraqi Christian is about 200,000 people from over uh, 39 million Iraqis, which is about 0.6% of the total population of the Iraqis, uh, in comparison with one and a half million strong just over a decade ago. So today, uh, the number is dwindled by 83% 
as a result of the war in Iraq and conflict. And uh, after 2003, the Iraqi Christians uh, became an easy target for the radical uh, Islamic groups who made advantage of the um, security situation and the absence of the protecting religious minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they brought unspeakable evil and pain to the Christians uh, to leave forcibly uh, their homes, their towns, their country, so that they can take control of their properties, mm-hmm. uh, threatening them, killing others, kidnapping others, and asking for a big ransom that uh, they can't afford. Uh, so uh, the persecution in Iraq uh, exists in the form of discrimination, uh, where threats and even attacks is a part uh, of life of the uh, Iraqi Christians. So this has been going for a very long time. Uh, to give you some examples from my personal life, when I was seven years old, my friend wasn't allowed to play with me. Uh, anymore because his parents found out that I was a Christian so they called me infidels mm-hmm. and uh, they forbidden uh, uh, their son from playing with me and on my 16th birthday my family uh, got a killing threat from Al-Qaeda mm-hmm. because of our faith so they uh, give us 24 hours to leave otherwise we were going to be killed so. Uh, so overnight we were just looking for a place a safe place where we can uh, live in peace and uh, the persecution continued uh, maybe that was invisible but in 2014 the persecution got very visible uh, when ISIS uh, uh, displays thousands of Christians, um, around 120,000 Christian. Uh, they flee from their hometown, from Nineveh Plain, uh, after uh, ISIS attacked uh, most of the cities and towns in the Nineveh Plain. And that continued until 2016, where Mosul was liberated by the Iraqi forces. Mm -hmm. Then Christians slowly started to return back um, to renovate and rebuild uh, their homes, but they were totally shocked and traumatized Mm -hmm. after they have seen that uh, their houses, churches, schools, hospitals were totally destroyed uh, by ISIS. So because of this type of persecution was still going on in different levels and different types, many Christians left Iraq and uh, you could say that uh, the church and the Christianity is at risk of disappearing from this country. And uh, we're talking uh, about uh, the Iraq Christian. They are people who received their Christianity in the first century from the Apostle Thomas. So these people could disappear in so short a time and will become only a matter of study and debate for historians and politicians Um, you know that for us it means the end of our central home and uh, for the one who are living in the diaspora it means uh, the end of their uh, also a central home Mm -hmm. and that's why we're saying always that the fate of christianity will be decided based upon the actions that the world will take. And truly, these coming years, as we are um, uh, looking at some statistics and reports about the number of Christians, uh, so they are really having uh, 
dangerous information mm. because most of them are saying that maybe the Christianity is going to disappear from Iraq after 10 mm. to 20 years. So imagine uh, the fate of Christian is in danger. So today we have two options, whether it survive and is given a chance for a rebirth or whether it perishes, existing only a few scattered museum pieces mm-hmm. with caretaker clergy of interest to tourists and academic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so without the Christian people uh, who had lived there for 2,000 years, this country will lose the example of love, the example of forgiveness, the example of peace. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's why we are saying that the existence of Christians is very important to this country. It most certainly is, absolutely. Um, and so uh, Christianity, as you rightly said, has been there for such a long time. Uh, has it in any way influenced the, the culture? I know it's an Islamic country today, but over these centuries, has there been a strong influence in Iraq by the Christians? Christianity has uh, influenced uh, Iraq and its culture in many different ways because today there is like uh, it's not a, a picture but there is something common among the Iraqi Christians or the Iraqis in general they always think of the Christians that they are really peaceful people so mm. when we are uh, going from a city to a different city there is a checkpoint on the road uh, where they check for the IDs of the people and they make sure that from where these people are coming to which place mm-hmm. they are going. So whenever they found out that uh, there are Christians uh, crossing by the checkpoint, they don't check them. They don't ask them any question because they trust the Christians because they are really peaceful and mm. uh, they are presenting the example of love in this country. So, so tell me, sorry to interrupt you, tell me why do they persecute the Christians then? If we are a peace-loving people and, you know, I read, read the reports, Christians are not attacking the general population. They're offering peace and comfort and love. Why are the Christians being persecuted so much? Exactly. Uh, the thing is that uh, all, all the minorities uh, in Iraq, they are being persecuted uh, in different ways. Uh, also, if you're going to look to the other minorities, they are self, they are having the same things. So whenever you're living in a country and that country is divided into minorities and majority, so I think you would have uh, some persecution against the minorities. Uh, and today also, when we're talking about persecution, it's not only about becoming and threaten us or killing us it's also about not giving you your rights as a citizen so today as a christian today we are being considered as uh, second class citizens and uh, also we are not enjoying the same rights that the majority uh, is enjoying but why is that uh, father why is this persecution as i said surely the christians are contributing to culture and society why do they get persecuted so much yeah, because we don't have a big people or, or uh, big. Uh, supporters here in Iraq uh, when we're talking about the majorities uh, they do have uh, like leader representative who can talk uh, and who can uh, also take actions and I mean big actions which will uh, benefit uh, their side I mean the mm. majority where they belong mm. but for us as minorities we don't have uh, uh, free will uh, our will as Christians is being uh, given to the parties of the uh, majorities and also they are 
controlling our quota. They are controlling our future, our decisions. So we don't have any free will how oh. to decide our future as a Christian. So it's a dominance. They're trying to dominate and 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 take over the minorities and, and eliminate them from the culture. Exactly, exactly. So it's like elimination. And uh, the reason, what is the reason? To be honest. Uh, because we are only a minority. This is the only reason. Mm. That's really sad, really sad indeed. So, uh, as, as we mentioned a little earlier, um, you know, the world has been going through this dreadful uh, COVID pandemic. And uh, the first question I want to ask you, Father, is how has Iraq on the whole been affected by COVID? Is it is it bad in Iraq? Oh, it is really, really bad. And because of the crisis of COVID-19, our country went in lockdown and uh, our city, my city, Erbil, uh, was under curfew. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we don't have a good medical system uh, to take care of the people and also to save some people. So the only way that uh, we had was prevention of infection like only staying at home. That was the only thing that we can do. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I, will, I serve in two congregations, one in Kirkuk and one in Erbil. In uh, uh, the cities, the borders of the cities were totally closed. So imagine I couldn't go from uh, one uh, city to another city to serve uh, my people. So it was very difficult on different aspects, uh, like from the medical aspect, from the spiritual aspect. In addition to that, some of the people were suffering uh, psychological issues like uh, a very high level of worry and anxiety, anger, stress and concern the population at large and among certain group in particle, particular. And uh, with that, there was no develop any cure or vaccine to stop it. People were really forced to quarantine. And as I said, the cities were forced to lock down and all of this forced people to keep social distancing mm. and social isolation. So all of these procedures produce acute panic and uh, obsessive behavior, uh, hardening, paranoia and depression, and in addition to PTSD. Uh, and also to mention that many people lost their jobs. There was like a very high rate of uh, unemployment and some people were really afraid to go out, like especially the older group so we were trying to reach out to them in different ways to help them and uh, to be near to them and to respond to their needs mm, mm, that's really tragic and and how is the the faith of the christians that are living in iraq are they strong in their faith <laughs> and in their prayer and worship the Iraq Christian, uh, they have uh, forced, as I said, uh, different type of persecution. But the good thing is that they still believe that uh, they still have that effect of being the salt and the light of this country. Uh, that's why uh, today there's still a few people staying here because they want to have uh, a part in the process of rebuilding this country and to take this country to a better place where uh, the dignity of human beings is going to be, uh, where people or the government will put the human dignity uh, as a priority and also would respect the rights of a human being and uh, to participate in the process of rebuilding. Mm. Amazing uh, stuff, and it really encourages uh, me, uh, you know, in the, in the so-called Western world to, to pray for the persecuted Christians around the world, Iraq and other places of the world. Uh, Father, you're living there today, even as I speak with you. How can we pray for you? 
uh, well, I'm requesting your prayers uh, for our country, Iraq, which is experiencing the worst stage and the darkest stage in its history, uh, for violence to be replaced uh, with the power of God's love, and for our country not to be a place for other wars that drag the all the region towards uh, greater conflicts. And also I'm requesting your prayer for the world to be cured of this uh, epidemic and uh, for the Lord to grant eternal rest to all who have passed away and uh, also to heal the people who are suffering uh, because of this virus and also to the families who lost their uh, loved ones that they may find comfort in these times and also I'm, pr- I'm requesting your prayer uh, for the Iraqi Christians to stand firm in their faith despite the persecution and terror and for inner peace and stability uh, in their lives and also I'm requesting your prayer so that God would give wisdom to the church leaders to guide the people of God through these difficult times. The reality is produced in partnership with Good News Broadcasting Association. To listen to this program again, please visit the website gnba.net. For more information about GNBA and other radio programs that we produce, please send an email to info at gnba.net. Email us info at gnba.net. If you've just tuned in, thank you so much for clicking on in or tuning on in. You're listening to The Reality with me, Tutley Anderson, broadcast around the world and indeed podcast at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality. Find out more at that website, surereality.net, or drop me an email Dudley, D-U-D-L-E-Y, at surereality.net. Today on The Reality, we're speaking with Father Daniel Joseph, a priest of the ancient Church of the East in Iraq, speaking with him about how difficult it is to follow Jesus in that country. He shared how even after the defeat of ISIS, their ideology still is very prevalent in that nation. Sadly, the powers that be are intent on dominating every aspect of Iraqi culture persecuting minorities in the process. Christians are a minority in Iraq, and though they pose no threat to security or the stability of the region, they are intensely persecuted. On the contrary, Father Daniel pointed out that Christians are nevertheless viewed as peace-loving people and people of integrity amongst the general populace. Jesus warned us about persecution. He said, Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And by the Holy Spirit, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 and says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. The true enemy of our souls and the true persecutor, in fact, is not man, but the evil force of Satan behind the persecution done by man. Father Daniel represents Open Doors International, an agency set up to help support the suffering church around the world. As we continue to speak with Father Daniel today, ask him how we can help. Can we write to Christians in Iraq? 
Yeah, of course. Well, Open Doors, they are one of our biggest supporters. Uh, without them, we were unable to reach out to the uh, needs of the people. We were unable to do that alone as a church, because as a church, we are not considered like a government who has a big budget where they can uh, uh, respond to people's needs through different programs. So we, we are really grateful uh, for Open Doors and the work that they have done. Uh, with the help of Open Doors, uh, we were able also to uh, open open uh, hope centers this hope center which implant the hope in the hearts of the young people uh, to take a part in the future of this country and um, I'm always saying that maybe we may forget the people who persecuted us but we will not forget the people who stood with us in this difficult time and helped us uh, and I remember uh, when uh, the displaced people were living in my churchyard um, I, I received like uh, maybe every month some cards from people from the community from the abroad and uh, most of their scars uh, were written that Jesus loves you stay strong and we love you uh, when I used to show this, uh, this picture to the people and this card to the people our people used to cry because oh. they thought that no one uh, was asking about them no one's taking care of them anymore so it's really such an encouraging to uh, have these cards uh, which uh, consist of prayers, uh, encouragement words. Uh, that was very, very nice for us, to be honest, and it was very encouraging for us. That is wonderful. And uh, let me say to you that uh, we do care and we do pray. That I wish we could do more. I wish uh, I wish we could come in there and just take you out and rescue you. But, you know, God has placed you there, Father, and your people there for a purpose. And I know that you are witnessing the love of Jesus even to your persecutors and those around you. Let me ask you personally now, uh, uh, Father uh, Daniel, how is it and, and why did you go into the ministry? Uh, this is a very strange story that I'm going to tell you uh, because um, uh, the persecution, as I mentioned in the beginning of the interview, started in my life when I was just seven years old. Uh, but uh, when I became 18 years old, I decided to become a physician. So I went to Ukraine uh -huh. and um, I started to study uh, general medicine. And I stayed in a hostel uh, where there were like about 125 uh, Iraqis. They used to study with me in the same college and they live with me in the same hostel. So um, I was always uh, a target for uh, these uh, people who were very extreme or uh, they were radicals in their religion and they didn't accept me in the way that I am a Christian. So they used to attack my faith and to attack me and to say bad things about my faith and uh, about Jesus Christ. So all of this led me to something, uh, to look online on Google and to know more about my faith and uh, how to answer most of their questions. Mm. So I started, whenever I finished my medical homework, I uh, used to search on specific uh, questions on Google. And then for six months, I was doing this. And then I came up with very rational answers for their questions. And also some of them start to have doubts about their faith. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that after uh, uh, being in the middle of all of this, uh, I discovered the call of God for me to become priest from the questions of my Muslim friends. Uh, and instead of becoming a physician, I decided to, be, to become a, a, a spiritual doctor. So that's why wow. by that time, 2012, I came back to Iraq and I was ordained as a priest. And 
you know, it's such a, a life-changing decision when you change your career from becoming a, a doctor to a priest. <laughs> so there was like some doubts in my heart. I was always questioning God, did I make the right choice? Please just give me a sign. So that happened 2012. The answer came on 2014 uh, when uh, all the Iraqi Christians who flee from their hometowns in Nineveh Plain came to my church, and my church became a shelter for more than 1,600 people. <laughs> so when these people were coming to my church, were entering to the uh, through the door of the church, it was like God was answering my question. This is the answer for your question. So. I want you to become a priest and to serve my people. Praise God. That's amazing. God bless you in that. Uh, Father Daniel, it's been wonderful speaking with you and with your permission and with my listeners' agreement. As I know people are listening up right now. Can I pray for you and can we pray for Iraq? Please. Yes, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this great opportunity to speak to this great man. And I pray, first of all, Lord, for Father Daniel Joseph, your blessing, your protection, that you'd build a hedge around him and his people and his family, Lord God, and that you'd protect them against all harm at this time. In the name of Jesus, I pray the healing touch of the Lord uh, uh, against COVID-19 and protect them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Bless his work, bless his ministry, and God his life, I pray. We pray, Lord, for Iraq. We pray, Lord, for the nation at large, that you bring them to a place, Lord God, of prosperity and growth. But we pray especially for the Christians. Dear Father, keep your hand upon them right now. Lord Jesus, you said in your word that uh, we should weep with those who weep and, and laugh with those who laugh. So we weep with these, Lord, who are weeping right now. And we bless them in the name of Jesus for your hand upon them, your protection, Lord, your God, your Holy Spirit in them and with them, your angels around them, Lord, to guard and protect them, Lord, and to grow the body of Christ in Iraq. Bring back, Lord, those that have fled. Bring them back in safety and security, Lord. We pray your blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Wow. It's been wonderful. Very, very, very uh, honored to speak to you, Father Daniel. Thank you so much uh, for your company and for your word today on The Reality. Oh, thank you so much. And I would like uh, to thank all the people uh, who uh, donated for us and who helped us to get through this situation. And uh, with your help, we were able to do a lot of things that we couldn't do by our own. So thank you so much and God bless you. down the reality. We've been speaking to Father Daniel Joseph from Iraq. And listening to Father Daniel, I've really developed a compassion and a, and a love for these people, how difficult it is to be a Christian in that country. In fact, many countries around the world are just like that, when Christians are being persecuted so intensely. We read earlier some scriptures where the Word of God warns us against persecution. Christian, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, wherever you live, whether it is in physical persecution or in being abused or, or, or mocked for your faith, we're under persecution. No least of all the countries that are specified on the Open Doors top 50 countries in their watch list. Open Doors International is a ministry that works with persecuted Christians around the world, supporting and encouraging and helping them wherever they may be. You can find out more about Open Doors by going to the website opendoorsuk.org that is Open Doors International's website Open Doors UK all one word opendoorsuk.org you can write to Christians in countries like Iraq by going to that website and finding out more indeed praying for Christians around the world who are being persecuted let's remember what the word of God says about the attacks of man upon us 
In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. You see, God's Word makes it very plain there that even though mankind are persecuting mankind, you know, we're getting abused and physically beaten and hurt and and killed by people, the enemy that we fight isn't the man. In fact, Jesus taught us to love our enemies, do good to those who persecute us. How tough is that? But he commanded us to love our enemies because it's not the man that is actually attacking us in the spiritual world. It's the force of darkness behind the man. That is the devil. You see, the devil or Satan is intent on drawing you out of God's plan for your life. And he does that by persecuting us, by inflicting harm upon us as Christians. But here's another word for us today. We've overcome the spiritual attack by the blood of Jesus. It says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, and they have Listen, conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. So many around the world are suffering persecution, physical abuse, torture, and yes, even death for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. But the scripture makes it very plain that our battle is not against the physical man, but against the spiritual forces behind the persecution and the attack. And he has the victory. We stand in this victory. We stand together with those in Iraq and around the world being persecuted against the enemy in the name of Jesus, the true enemy of our souls, that is Satan and the demonic forces. We stand against them because we have conquered them by the blood of the Lamb of God, that is Jesus Christ, and the word of our testimony. They were saved by his grace through faith. And nothing in all of creation will separate us from that love, the love of Christ. You've been listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. Find out more at the website surereality.net. The Reality is produced in partnership with Good News Broadcasting Association. You can listen again to this radio program at their website, gnba.net, or drop them an email, info at gnba.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, as always, God bless. Until we meet again, keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus.